Hi, I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and you're listening to our podcast, The Nature of Nantucket. Today, I have with me Ken Blackshaw, who is a compiler for the Nantucket Bird Count, the author of nine books, including Birding on Nantucket, and Libby Buck, who is a conservation science and land steward at the Linda Loring Association, where she is a co-compiler of the Nantucket Bird Count. I am very excited and happy that you are both joining me so that we can learn a little bit more about you and a little bit more about birding on Nantucket. So welcome and thank you. Let's start with you, Ken. How did you come to Nantucket? I I was born here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born over at Nantucket Cottage Hospital when it was on Westchester Street, uh, 1941. And uh, but in the uh, 50s, my mother was a single parent <clears throat> and uh, wondering what to do with a teenage boy, and she knew Edith Andrews. My mother, by the way, was one of the editors of the Inquirer Mirror. Okay. And uh, so she put me with Edith. And Edith was just a wonderful uh, uh, mentor, very easy to work with, very supportive, very encouraging. Um, You know, I already was interested in birds. We lived uh, at that time at 3 Chestnut Street, where the Chestnut House is now. And uh, we had a rose-breasted grosbeak show up in our japonica bush one day, one day, and the whole family got excited. I didn't really know a, a, a gross beak from a, a mini beak, you know. <laughs> well, this is a very flashy black and white and red bird, and uh, I was excited because all my relatives were excited about it. And uh, so that's how I got started, really. I remember Edith taking me down to the Harbor Flats, which is near where Kansu Springs is now and then it was just a it was all mud it was all a mud flat but there were shorebirds there and i remember looking through a spotting scope which was a rare thing back then almost nobody had a spotting scope but edith did edith was barely five feet tall so the tripod for her was uh, pretty low but i remember it's just about right for me because i was a smaller person then too and uh looking through uh, the spotting scope I bet Libby, I bet you can remember when you first looked through a spotting scope. It kind of boggles the mind, uh, all the bird detail that you can see. Yeah, no, it does. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And Libby, how did you come to be on Nantucket? Um, So I went to, so I'll backtrack a little bit. I grew up on the Cape. Um, I'm from Chatham originally, and then I went to Mass Maritime Academy, and I majored in their conservation, um, environmental, uh, marine safety, environmental protection, and then I kind of went to the conservation route. So back in 2014, I took a seasonal position at the Conservation Foundation doing their shorebird monitoring stuff, and um, it just kind of, I I got the itch of birds on the island are really cool and um, I especially love getting all the rare sightings and everything and that kind of just kick-started my career of working in conservation and and Nantucket itself and um, ever since then I always came back and then eventually I was full-time and 
now I have advanced my career and I work over at Linda Loring and I'm way more involved with all the the huge birding community that we have here. And when Ken was talking about his first time looking through a scope, it reminded me of the first time that I started to pay attention to other birds that were going on. And I remember being with Edie Ray, who I would say, like Ken, is one of my mentors. And I remember being with her. We were out on the beach and um, we hopped out of the car and she started banging on the window and she's like, Libby, fish crow, fish crow. And I'm like, what? it's a crow. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know how cool it was at the time. And then I, it kind of just spiraled from there. Of, it is really cool here. <laughs> well, Libby makes an interesting point because we learned to be uh, uh, excited about a bird that most people would say, well, yes, it is a crow. It is black. Uh, <laughs> you know, we kind of know about crows. But fish crows are the ones we have down. I'm in Florida right now, and they're the ones we have down here, and they kind of bark. So instead of cawing like a good crow should do, uh, they go, eh, eh. You hear a fish crow? Eh, eh. Ah, uh, so a different kind of a noise. Yeah. yeah. Seeing yeah. it is not good enough. You have to hear them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but anyway, but it is it, in the, the end result, it is just a black, fluffy, feathered bird <laughs> that most people would say, oh, it's a crow. Okay, what's next? <laughs> well, um, for full disclosure, I had two pet crows when I was a little girl. So oh, wow. <laughs> not, not just one, two, Mortimer one and Mortimer two. <laughs> Did they talk? Um, they attempted it, but uh, my sisters and I rescued them because they had both been injured and we you know, basically helped Popsicle stick their wings back together and kept them in a little box and tried to train them. <laughs> it was sort of my my first um, foray into birding myself. So we have this in common. Um, <laughs> all right. So tell me about how you would suggest somebody becomes a birder on Nantucket. Because, right, I think we really have a uh, a, a really strong birding community, and many people express interest. So, it's different. Tell me about that. It's different now than it was ten years ago, even because of the internet. Because uh, everybody has or ha has the ability to have an app on their phone uh, that can uh, that can ID birds even by sound. Uh, people were, would always ask me about that. I uh, I used to have an excellent ear. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can identify most of the birds by just by hearing a, an utterance. It might be a chip or a scolding note. Uh, very rarely do you actually hear a whole song. That, that would be nice. But generally you hear a, a bunch of what we call contact notes. But now you can turn on, um, let's see, it's Merlin, which is Cornell's app. And it just listens for you. And... Uh, you know, and you hear birds that you might not notice because, you know, the sounds are very loud or they're weird uh, or they're just not sounds that you're used to. So it's a great learning aid. Uh, of course, listening to birds is not anywhere near as exciting as actually seeing the birds. But a lot of people are getting into birds through photography. Uh, we do our Sunday morning bird walks, by the way, starting at the high school. And uh, some people come in because they're interested in birds and seeing birds. Maybe they feed birds. But I got a lot of people that come in that are photographers. They don't have binoculars. 
They just have these, in some cases, enormous cameras. And, um, and they can shoot 100 pictures, 100 pictures a second in some cases, and then later on go through all these pictures and figure out do they have anything good. So, Yeah, I'm a firm believer that everybody is already a birder. Um, they just don't know it yet. Um, if you can identify the most common birds like a cardinal or a chickadee, like you're already a birder. You're already paying attention to them. Um, and I think I'm always about encouraging people. Um, sometimes when you get into the birding community, it can be kind of rough. <laughs> but uh, you just have to grab a pair of binoculars and see what you can see. And like what Ken was saying, there's amazing apps now that make it a lot easier. But also just go on a bird walk. Um, I learn the best with from my other peers or mentors and also, um, a, another big project that I'll be doing is uh, bird banding, and that's really cool to see the birds up close and in your hand. Um, it kind of like puts the light on of like, wow, is it, you can see them way up close and all the detail and everything. That's a wonderful but, thing, uh, Olivia. The first time you actually hold a live bird in your hand that's just come out of a net, and you feel the heartbeat. Yeah. And bird heartbeats are remarkably fast it's almost vibrating and uh and then of course some of the birds are quite docile in your hand mm -hmm. and others are very vicious and some of them it's ludicrous like a chickadee is one of the most vicious birds you it's, it's tiny of course and the first thing he'll do is grab the, the webbing of your finger with his bill and he's looking up at you saying don't make me get rough you know <laughs> yeah and of course a chickadee you can hardly feel yeah. You got a cardinal in your hand. Have you had a cardinal in your hand? I had many at this point. My <laughs> <laughs> fingers drawn, are hurt they, by a cardinal. Have they, <laughs> have they drawn blood? No, they just pinch really hard. <laughs> now, we always like to have a toothpick or something to let them start biting that so they wouldn't bite you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, honestly, I think people just have to um take advantage of all the birding experiences that there are like ken said if it's island specific the sunday morning bird group is awesome it's amazing everyone is super friendly and they decide that day where they're going to go um at linda loring we have birding trips throughout like the spring summer and into the fall on wednesdays mariah mitchell i know does birding walks there's all these um programs that anybody can really join uh, we should probably get we probably should give Seth Engelberg a plug too, because he leads most of the uh, yeah uh, Linda Loring walks. Yeah, yeah, and of course we have Ginger, who is yeah uh, as yes. I call as I call her the national treasure. <laughs> yes, the Nantucket national treasure. Um, what I wanted to also talk about was the amazing variety of birds that are on Nantucket. And I know you guys do the Christmas bird count, but before we talk about that, uh, what I wanted to talk about was why is it important to count birds? And why is it important to like note which birds we're counting and which species we see? Let's talk about that first, and then we can get into some of the things that you guys have seen. Well, they tell us a lot about the environment that we're living in and uh, how healthy it is. And uh, when you can look back historically and see what was on Nantucket in the 50s, for instance, and what's on Nantucket now, um, 
there's a lot of changes in the birds. Part of it's because because the habitat and the environment has changed on Nantucket. I'm not necessarily talking about climate yet, but just the fact that Nantucket used to initially wasn't wooded at all. Now it's mostly forested. Uh, but of course, this climate change as well. It was probably the late 70s before we had any cardinals. And that's a bird you see, you know, everywhere. Now, blue jays used to be really rare on Nantucket because they're forest birds. And we didn't have any forests. You had to go up by uh, Hidden Forest on Almanac Pond Road to find blue jays. But, uh, but there are other things that we used to have on Nantucket, like uh, loggerhead shrikes, uh, meadowlarks, kestrels. Uh, grasshopper sparrows, all these birds used to nest on Nantucket, but because of climate change and in some case habitat change, uh, we, they, they become scarce. Hmm. That's so interesting. And so tell us, walk us through what a bird count is like and what it's about. <laughs> the Christmas bird count is a very exciting weekend. Um, so on it, this year, it's December 31st, um, and anybody can volunteer and join in on the fun, but we break the island up into eight different sections, and we bird the entire day, keep track of all the birds that we see, and then at the end of the day, we compile a list, and then we have a meeting, and we all celebrate all the birds that we've seen, and it's part of a way bigger network of Christmas bird counts that's run by National Audubon. What, what section are you doing, Libby, this year? Um, I have Quidnet. <laughs> That's that's an interesting section too. Yeah, that one's a good one. And it's also an area where people, most people, don't get to. Yeah. I mean, it's not on the way <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, true. I and had, I, I had Siberia. Oh, you did. Which is also called Surfside, but it goes from Tom Never's Head uh, all the way west to Maya Comet Pond, and kind of north of uh, Milestone Road. A lot of territory, but it's it used to be cold and miserable. Yeah. You know, doing that territory. But yeah, so it, it's an excellent, um, it, it gives you like a 24 hour snapshot of the birds that year. And it happens every single year. So it is a great demographic of how the populations are doing, what birds are here. And it's very climate related too, because. Where Nantucket is located along the shoreline, sometimes we're the southernmost um, migration limit for birds or the northernmost. And we have such a mild climate that sometimes they just are able to survive the winter when they're here. Um, there are always birds at the, in the fall that you hope will hang on mm-hmm. Christmas bird count. Now, this year we have some cattleygrets. Sorry, mm-hmm. western cattleygrets. They've decided these are western ones now. Yeah. We have to contend with name changes. Uh, Western Kingbird, I don't think it's around right now, but last no. year, was it last year or the year before, we had one until the day before the count? Uh, I think it was the year before. Yeah. We had the crossbills last year. That was the big highlight last year. Oh, my God. And crossbills you don't get every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so it's an excellent um, program for even new beginners and also ex- experienced birders, too, to join in. Um, because we kind of match you up. Like if this is your first time ever doing it, we'll match you up with somebody that um, will show you the ropes and help you ID. And hopefully you get that feeling too of like, we got to find them all. (laughs) Um, How many people usually come out for the Christmas bird count? uh, Around 60 people. um, And that's off Island and on Island. Um, We got a lot of people that come over from off Island just because 
Um, some people love to do the Christmas bird counts because they don't all happen on the same day. Um, so they'll do several, but also like what Ken's been saying is Nantucket is known for like winter ducks. So people will come here if they're trying to get the winter ducks off their list and stuff like that. So it's really fun. (laughs) Now I know a couple of years ago, you, there was a very rare bird that was found. Yeah. In Wisconsin, I I think I heard it on um, Cape and Islands NPR. Uh, Yeah. I heard that guy talk about it. That was the magnificent frigate bird. Um, Ken brought that up. Um, Yeah. That was a really interesting story. The, that group was just scoping, like searching the water from um, the Baxter conservation lookout. um, And they turned around and this bird was sitting on the telephone wire, like, I don't know, like a morning dove or a pigeon. I mean, and they're like, oh my. This this is a bird (laughs) that typically doesn't sit on a telephone wire. No. Flying over, uh, harassing other birds, uh, but you certainly don't normally see them on a telephone wire. Yeah. That bird sat on the telephone wire most of the day, I think. Yeah. So, and normally, kind of like what we were saying, that um, we are divided up into these sections and you're supposed to just bird in that section, but that bird got everybody, the the call went out and everyone took time away from their section to go see it because <laughs> it was such a big deal. <laughs> so it was a, it was a visiting celebrity. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Super cool. <laughs> Super cool. So what, um, what is, what are your goals this year for the Christmas bird count? How many, like, what's a good number? Like, how do we evaluate this? Well, um, well there's two, of course, two factors we do do kind of compete with the vineyard. No, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's really not fair because we're further out to sea and we tend to get maybe 10 more species a year than, than they do. But it's, it's, it's fun to have that. And uh, in days gone by when you, you could just fly over to the vineyard for the day and come back, which don't, we can't do now, but I would fly over and help with the vineyard bird, bird count. I had a territory that I worked out near the vineyard airport. But then all the other counts, what are there, three counts on the Cape. Yeah. And quite often Nantucket ends up with uh, the highest species count mm-hmm. in New England. Mm-hmm. So Why is that? Oh, the habitat and, and our geographic location. We're so far out to sea. Uh, we t- It's not unusual, unusual to get 12 p- species of gulls on Nantucket. And it's uh, and gulls are an acquired taste. I mean, literally, <laughs> they're really messy and hard to identify. So people that chase gulls and can identify gulls, it's nice we have some good people come and bird on Nantucket that actually can identify gulls better than most of us can. Libby, what do you think? Yeah, no, just to kind of piggyback off of what he's saying, the climate, it it always depends on how the winter is going to be. If it's a really cold winter and all the water's frozen, we will not see that many ducks. Um, But if it's a calm winter, we will see a ton of species that are just kind of hanging on to try to make it through the winter for the most part. Um, I remember the same year, the, the magnificent frigate bird, we also had all three species of swan that showed up. Um, yeah, and really, we were the only count that had that too. Yeah, that's unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was the tundra, uh, trumpeter and, um, the mute swan, the, the one Which, that's always. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Well, I, I just want to say thank you to both of you for joining today. Really appreciate our conversation. I will for sure invite you to come back again so that we can pick up our birding conversations. Um, and but if you have been after the count, just yes, see. I will. I will have you back after the count. That's an excellent idea. So if you've been listening, I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and our podcast is called The Nature of Nantucket. Thank you very much to Libby Buck and to Ken Blackshaw for joining me today. Thank you.